Hi, friends. Welcome to Rainbow Parenting, where we talk about the intersections between queerness, transness, and childhood. I am your host, Linz Amer. We are getting to the very end of Pride Month. I hope everyone has been having a fantastic June. I know I've been having an absolute blast on tour. It has been just an incredible incredible I'm I'm going to need to take a lot of time to process this tour first of all but it's just been so incredible to connect with people in person and talk about the book and, and even talk about the podcast and queer kid stuff I I've just been completely blown away by just like this beautiful wave of positive energy and I am so, so excited to continue chatting with you all on the podcast especially if you all are new welcome to the pod my in-person tour is over, but if I wasn't in any of the cities that you all are in, then you are still in luck. I am putting on Pride-a-Palooza, which is a big old event uh, virtually that we're going to be doing through Queer Kids Stuff, where I got all of my favorite queer and trans and some special ally performers to do a bunch of family music for us. That's going to be on Wednesday, June 28th at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific time. If you cannot make that time, you're still in luck. You can grab a ticket and you'll get exclusive access to the recording so you can watch it anytime you like. The episode today is, I think, a pretty special episode. I asked my mom and my sister to chat with me about the book. In my book, Rainbow Parenting, I, I talk a lot about my family and my parents and how I was parented, and I thought it would be really interesting to have my mom and my sister come on and kind of chat about my journey and how they're kind of interpreting and perceiving the book, having known me for my entire life, and I think it'll be really interesting for you all to hear. It certainly gets a little emotional at times, <laughs> uh, but I hope that you'll appreciate the vulnerability we're showing as a family. I love my mom and my sister very, very much, and I'm so glad that they were down to have this conversation with me. All right, I think that was it. Not a lot of business today. Let's get to my conversation. Hiya, friends. I am here today with my mother and my sister. Welcome to the pod. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> hi. Um, so <laughs> it's so strange to interview my mom and my sister. Um, can you just like each just real quick introduce yourself however you want to to the podcast audience? Mom, if you want sure. to go first. Sure, I will go first. My name is Deanna, and I am Lynn's and Rose's mom. I'm an early childhood music educator. Uh, I have a background in theater, uh, degrees in voice and music and acting and such. And uh, originally from California, I moved to New York when I was in my early 20s to pursue theater and uh, ended up um getting married and having kids and landing in early childhood music so that's where i've been for the last 30 years basically almost all of my parenting life has been um also as a as a music teacher cool rose your turn hi i'm rose um wow what else is there to say <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> I'm your younger sister. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm not a parent. <laughs> and you're yeah. two and a half years apart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Maybe that's of interest. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and you're a, you're a creative person as well. In mm-hmm. artiste. artiste. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of there's a lot of create creative um uh create creative you know genes in mm-hmm. our vibes in the pool here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yes. I yes, um super creative. Real quick, do you both want to just do how you identify in your pronouns? I identify as a cis woman. Um, my pronouns are she, her. Great job. Thank <laughs> you. Nailed it. Rose, how do you identify? <laughs> um, I also identify as a cis woman. Um, and I use she, her. Amazing. Okay. Um, I usually ask people also how they're doing today because like we're humans and uh, we're not just our work. And uh, yeah, so how how is it going today? Rosie, you want to go first on this one? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, so far so good. Um, I just went to the grocery store. Mm. It's a little gloomy, rainy in, in Brooklyn today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, good. Excellent. I am also, also good. Uh, it is Friday, so I'm happy about that. Yes. Um, I, and it is also raining and a a bit of smoke from Canada coming Mm. down into the Hudson Valley today. So there's that. Hate it. Uh, not as bad as a couple of weeks ago. Um, I finished reading the book. Um, this week. And so there's a lot on my mind and there's a lot of rumination going on uh, about myself, about how I parent mm-hmm. you two, how I parented That's you two as young children uh, and, you know, what's in store in the future of parenting because of this book, which I think is remarkable. So I'm super proud, and I'm the mom, so I might cry uh, during this interview, which is allowed because I'm the it's mom. It's allowed. So, it's allowed. Yeah. We could. We're crying on the pod is 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 extremely acceptable. Um, okay. Yes, excellent. That is a good place to be in going into this because that was the point of doing this conversation. Um, but I do want to start with Rose because you read the book first. Um, yeah. To, you were one of like the first i think you were the first family member to read it you were kind of um the one who vetted it (laughs) well and also just like helped me transition into like the book being a thing that i was doing on my laptop and that like my wife read a couple of times um Mm -hmm. because she's also a writer and is my wife and so she is obligated to read my writing (laughs) (laughs) at whatever stage of garbage it is at that point um 
But like there was a transitional point where like I was moving from like me and like my editor and my agent reading it and my and Hillary reading it to like other people in the world reading it. And I knew that like family would need to be a early stage of that because it's a parenting book. And I talk about me and my life, which Mm -hmm. means that I talk about my family and my experience being parented and growing up. So Mm -hmm. how... uh, how was it reading it the first time? I'm curious. Um, it was great. It was really cool. I mean, it was really like, I think we're in a a world and a time period where people have really dug their heels in and just walls have been put up. And it's just really hard to like have a real conversation about any subject matter, mm-hmm. let alone like queer topics and what have you but um so yeah I just like to to read something that felt like really infused with like love and kindness um like even just outside of the like queer subject matter just felt so refreshing and amazing um and yeah it was just like obviously really cool to to know that my sibling wrote it um, and it was like a book that I was holding. <laughs> so like beyond that kind of cool, trippy, just like, whoa, this is reality. Um, it was just really nice to like, I think once you grow up, you kind of tell yourself, like, I'm a grown up now and this is how life has to be. But like, I think that we all have an inner child and like there's something about the world that we live in that wants to sever us from that inner child. And I think mm-hmm. understanding how kids brains work and how like, it's hard to have perspective on growing up as you're growing up. And so when you like most adults don't like think about how children think or how they come into their identities and even just considering like the ways in which identity is grown um or just how children shape their ideas of themselves um was even just really helpful for me as an adult as like Mm. someone who's like on the cusp of 30 and like you know we're all coming out of this strange several years yeah um and the world looks very different now and it was it's been lovely to even to guide my inner child and just like consider the ways in which um you know you hold on to something that somebody else gave you when you were a kid and maybe that's Hmm. not maybe that doesn't belong to you Hmm. um but yeah so it was really it's been really cool I'm like just going through a period of my life where I'm like, huh, what do I, <laughs> what's out there? What do I want? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like the way that this book is so like open to experimentation with, with oneself, with the people around you and like exploration and, and those things has been really lovely to internalize, even though I'm not a toddler. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think there's a lot of like, 
reparenting that the book tries yeah. to do for folks. Um, yeah. Before we move to mom, um, I, I also I'm curious about what it was like for you because you've both obviously witnessed the different stages of my coming out over my life and what was it like to kind of like read like a narrative version of that kind of like woven into um the kind of like more practical side of and like the 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 theory of what the book talks about um yeah I mean I was growing up alongside you and only two years younger but like even for me I it there was chaos. (laughs) Yeah. um, There was, um, you know, people, grownups and adults being like, this is what, this is what life is. Get on, get, get on board. Mm -hmm. And then as kids, you just, you just kind of accept that. Um, so I think from like, and we grew up in a very like particular, um, location that mm-hmm. has a very particular set of values mm-hmm. um that's not like necessarily our parents specifically but i just mean like the little the water we were swimming in yeah it's sure. all very um you know highly educated kind of intense cultural elite if you will mm-hmm. <laughs> um i don't know how to describe it but like yeah, it, I found it intense, um, and I'm sure a lot of people did. But um, the reading or the experiencing, yeah, the experiencing of growing up. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but yeah, so like kind of seeing that from the distance that I have now, as mm-hmm. just an older person, but also like the distancing of like being able to read someone else's narrative via a book in my hands Mm -hmm. um was helpful I kind of it like deflated it all a little bit while Mm. also providing context Mm. if that makes sense um yeah but yeah I mean growing up was wild (laughs) it is wild (laughs) um and we're all still doing it constantly so there's no ending to it perhaps yeah no I agree um mother uh same (laughs) questions just like what was it like to read the book it sounds like you have a lot of thoughts and feelings so (laughs) well the first thing that I yes I do the first thing that I will say is the stories that you tell in the book about yourself and your evolution and Mm -hmm. your experiences in life are we're all very familiar Mm -hmm. it was nothing that I that was new to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but having you tell it to the world felt different. Yeah. Felt, it felt uh, it bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it takes a, a lot of courage for you, for not only for you to go through the experience that you have and to really almost in a way commit yourself to finding to finding your authentic self and um that's that's one thing that honestly some people never do for a lot of different reasons Mm -hmm. and 
that that you have done that and and rose too i mean I think we're all finding our authentic selves we three anyway and mm-hmm. the people that we know in our immediate world um but i but there are also a lot of people out there in the world who either don't get the opportunity to or are squelched um you know and and pushed down and not allowed to mm-hmm. for x y and z reasons mm-hmm. but to that that you have been able to is a, is a tribute to to you, not to me or my parenting or your dad or anything, mm-hmm. but to you. And then to make the choice to share it, um, and to wrap it in the context of the book and and creating something that that and that I think other people can truly benefit from. Um, and parents can become can be different uh, as a result is I mean to me is extraordinary and um, so the stories that you tell were all very familiar. Yeah, the memoir parts of the book were really interesting because we pitched it with that um, in mind, and it was I have to say those were like probably the easiest parts of the book to write. It was like the theory and the practical stuff that was like much much harder. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think there was definitely a, like, a in between, like, having finished the, like, draft and, like, it's starting to, like, go through the process of, like, copyright editing and, like, going out into the world and getting the production of it. There were definitely moments of, like, oh, my God, should I have said that? Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> but also, like, it, like, the memoir. And I, I have no idea how anyone writes a full memoir. I the like anxiety around that sounds so debilitating. I just um I just <laughs> finished reading Elliot Page's new book, Page Boy, and yes. it is intense. There is some extremely intimate and difficult stuff in that book. And I don't think I could ever write a full memoir. That is like a whole mm. other thing. But yeah, it's uh I and I think that it was easier for me because I wasn't like writing it to like tell people my story necessarily. I was telling it to like contextualize everything that I'm talking about in like like this point that I'm making is because of my lived experience and like here's how it's played out. Here's how it could work for you. Here's why I'm interested in this. Um, so it was like really trying to like bring personhood to like the theory and ideas. And like that's all in the philosophy of the book of just like making this ex- all of it extremely accessible. Um, yep. So, yeah, I think you've done that. I think you've done that very well. And I, I agree. I don't there's no none of the personal stories are superfluous. Mm-hmm. They're all very purposeful in, in how, you know, why you're using them to, to illustrate, you know, some point or. Thank you. I worked on that pretty hard. Yes. <laughs> and, and I really appreciate as an educator myself, mm-hmm. I really appreciate that you used other experts mm-hmm. and you named them um, and you name other really important resources. And um, and, and that, that it, it takes a, it takes a letting go of ego to be able to do that. And it, it makes for a better book, I think. And it makes for a, a better, more long lasting resource 
for parents because it is not just about you and your one opinion. Yes, it has that, but it also has a bigger picture that includes other perspectives and other expertise. Um, so I really appreciated um, where that you um, trickled that in, peppered that in throughout the book. Yeah, um, really I think nice. that um, it's interesting because I've started getting questions about like what was the research process for the book, and like I don't, I wouldn't say that I did like an. In- I I definitely like was being purposeful about my like input and like what sources I was inputting at the time. Um, And like really like watching a lot of Twitter discourse (laughs) to like see what I should talk about in the book. But also it it really is just like a culmination of like over a decade of like thinking about this stuff really deeply Um, and uh, kind of like taking the academic side of what I do and like marrying that with like the tone that I use for young people and that's like kind of what this has turned into um because like I've been talking about this a lot that like it's called a parenting book and it's marketed as a parenting book but I'm curious is this like any parenting book you've ever read like where does that sit for you because I don't totally think it's like a parenting it is it is uh, in a way it's a good it's a really great question so as a parent now you two are both i don't want to give away your ages um (laughs) but you know you're fully grown adults who now pay your own rents so okay that gives some context to our listeners (laughs) and (laughs) and so the parenting books i read and i used when you were infants and toddlers are not the, the ones that are out there in the world in the nineties, right? That are not the one, the ones that are really front and center now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we didn't have podcasts, and we didn't have blogs <laughs> and all of those things. Yeah. So there were a handful of books that I used that were honestly mostly fairly clinical. Yeah, I I gravitated towards the ones written by doctors or social workers. Uh, and and so they were rather clinical about this is what you can expect at this period of or this phase of development. Uh, look for this, look for that. There was never any, this is the interesting thing, anything about gender identity, completely absent. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's where a, your book and hopefully in the future books, other books like this, mm-hmm. and I think there are a few others. Yeah, um, there are. Yeah, um, will change parents' thinking about how we approach gender in our infants and toddlers. Had I had this this book, your book, um, when I was a new mom, I, my my mindset about gender would be completely different, mm-hmm. or at least my thinking about it. You know, pushing against the norms of culture is is a challenge for everyone. If if you're going to do that, and I think as parents, it is heightened with having a new infant and st- the stress of being tired and all of those kinds of things. And who am I as a parent? And how do I want to raise my children? And all those big, huge, monumental questions that you that come up for you when you become a new parent um, would be additionally challenged by pushing against those norms. Um, but I think at the very, very least, it would be, it's on people's minds more now. 
Good. Um, and that, that is, yeah. that, that's the beginning of change. I think so. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm getting used to like the pace of books and like how <laughs> books work and like how books like change, change conversations and how they can change like, like thought and mind because it's, I mean, books are a really, I mean, books and podcasts are both long form and very intimate formats. And I've been learning a lot about the podcast over the past year, year that I've been doing it. And um, obviously with the book as well. And like it, you know, it's barely <laughs> a couple of weeks old, right? And, uh, you know, it's about word of mouth and, and seeing how things can shift. And it's, it's interesting, because it is a slow process. But like, I think it also like the actual like shift in mind, I think is faster than maybe you would think. So I'm, I'm curious about that for you. What uh, for both of you? Well, I think that the shift in thinking might occur right away upon mm -hmm. reading because it prompts it prompts new thoughts, it prompts questions, it mm -hmm. you know prompts you know uh, uh, um, conversation, dialogue like we're having now, mm -hmm. um, and at the same time, um, action is probably slower. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's the thing that takes time for it to seep into your belief system, really, mm -hmm. because you have to believe it in order to then act on it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that impact is slower. But I think just simply reading reading the book like this and being exposed to uh, discussions about gender identity and sexual identity and all that uh, um, is is the important first step. And I think it does raise the questions and start the dialogue. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did Rose, did you have anything on that? Um, yeah. I mean, it's funny. Cause like when I was reading the book, I was like, Oh, for me, this whole thing started like the first time I saw Doodle Pequeno, like, mm -hmm. I just feel like the journey began, like you said, like a decade ago. Yeah. And like that there are these people, not these people, but like that you kind of get the same questions over and over again, over and over the same over kind again. of, you know, the same kind of feedback um, or whatever it is. Um, and you're still trying to like show the same, you're just like, <laughs> it's like really kind of wild that it's. Um, yeah, the patterns are very how simple. It is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. How simple it is. Yeah, it's interesting because um, um, I I got this question at the first Q and A that I did um, for the book, like the day that it came out. Um, and I don't, I'm not trying to like pat myself on the back with like repeating this question, but someone asked me like, "Why are you so wise?" <laughs> and I was like, "Okay, yeah. well, I, I don't know if it's about me having wisdom, but like I've been thinking about this topic deeply for the last seven to ten years, and so now that we're seeing it out in like very." public, international, national discourse, headlines, everything politically that's going on right now, this is all new to a lot of people mm. when this is a topic that I've been thinking about for a really long time and have been developing yeah. language and developing rhetoric for for that amount of time. Um, so it's not necessarily yeah. like that I'm more wise than anyone else. It's that I have an expertise and have been 
thinking mm-hmm. about I wrote a whole 200 plus page book about it right um I've been thinking mm-hmm. about this very deeply for a long time um which I think is you know seven to ten years more than most people have who are just starting to get into this conversation so yeah I hope the the yeah. book does make it simple yeah and I mean like just in, in terms of like that shift in thinking mm-hmm. and changing the way that you see the world and that you see yourself and even just noticing things like noticing the ways in which like your language or your, your behavior is gendered or something. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I, I just remember, like, I think at first you just have an emotional reaction that you, you can't logic your way through. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, that was like watching you in college, like deal with these people having like, visceral reactions to you and like Mm -hmm. saying how like quote inappropriate it was or um it being like theater for young audiences that has anything to do with um queer scenes Mm -hmm. um and you know people like it felt very like mob with pitchforks i know i was like like, 22 like Like... it was really strange Mm -hmm. Yeah, you were so young and like the project seemed so innocent to me. Yeah. That and it felt so bizarre to watch these like grown-ups like just become uh, emotional and distraught in like a way that <laughs> I couldn't wrap my head around yeah. and then to like ask them why mm-hmm. and to have them sort of be like it just isn't right. And you're like, well, what? Well, what? like, I don't, yeah, you know, and 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 that happens so many times. Yeah, it happens so many times, and and to like watch it happen, and and even for us, like for you, for me, like watching it happen to you, like my emotional reaction, not being able to like put words to it or under like not mm-hmm. being able to answer the question of why. And like, then I'd ask you and then you'd sort of, you you know, like <laughs> you've been helping me understand these topics and questions for all this amount of time too. So like, I, I say it's simple, but I've like <laughs> been having these conversations with you for so long. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I think it's like you have to move through those emotions and then, um, and then I think it helps to like attach those lived experiences and stories to certain moments, like whether that be like, say for me, this isn't like about queerness, but like I, at a period of time in my life when I was like very sad and not eating right and like losing a lot of weight for example and then like I'd see someone and they'd be like you look great and then that would like really confuse like the next time I sat down to eat like putting food up to my mouth like it just felt so confusing and strange Mm. and then sort of like thinking back to experiences with myself or with other people like um you know like just making like it just put into context a lot of different um, moments. And then I think, you know, the pieces start adding up. Mm. Yeah. It gets easier. Yeah. Um, I'm curious about any moments that like 
stuck with you from the book. Um, yeah. I wish I could remember a couple of quotes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me see you can, can just describe it. it too. It doesn't have to be the quote. Well, a lot I mean, of my anxiety. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> One of the things I was going to say is the, and Rose said this earlier about the positivity of the book mm-hmm. and the, the tone being about spreading joy and being joyful. And, and um, you say something towards the end about um, how joy comes from out of suffering mm-hmm. and that oftentimes queer history is wrapped up in the the trauma of it, all of mm-hmm. the violence, all of that. And that there's a lot of queer history that is, that is joyful and, and positive and, and that balances out the, the struggles that have happened um, in the queer community over, over, you know, the, the many, many, many years. And that stuck with me about how we, you know, oh, who is we, the people who write the books, the people who decide what the curriculum is in schools, the people who decide what, the, what, the, what history to tell, mm-hmm. uh, um, focus so much on the negative. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and it is important to, to understand the struggle and to know what the struggle is. And at the same time, it is also important to, to um, you know, to to bring joy, as and to talk about that piece of the history as well. Mm-hmm. So that that struck me as something that's so important, especially when you're raising children. <laughs> it's because you don't want. Okay, let's sit down. We're going to talk about the Holocaust. I mean, this that's not right. <laughs> I mean, that history, was, we okay, was, was fun. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's what that was. So yeah, that's so you get that right. Um, but that is finding a way to talk about any kind of slavery. Black history is another one that it's important to talk about. You know the struggle and where we came from and all of that and. And also find ways to put that in an age-appropriate context, um, and also talk about um, the the positive things, the the positive role models that there have been in queer history, the positive experiences, um, and the positive contributions that queer folks have had over the years. Um, those are really really important. I remember the the one. One children's book that you had, you both had when you guys were younger, um, that, Linz, I know you kind of gra- gra- grasped onto and loved this book for a, for a while, was the book about Wilma Rudolph. Yes, I loved that book. And yes, book. and I bought that book because I wanted, you know, this was long before the years of the the terminology that we use now about centering blackness mm-hmm. and and you know BIPOC folks and and all of that and um I just wanted to buy that book because I wanted you to see an experience of somebody who who struggled Mm -hmm. and and overcame those struggles and and you know it's a it was a it's a beautiful sort of children's it was also beautifully illustrated too 
Yes. I still remember the illustrations of that book very vividly. For folks who don't know, Wilma Rudolph was a um, track and field Olympian um, who had polio as a child. Um, And it just kind of like the the picture book that you're talking about. I could not remember the name of it, but uh, it was a a picture, beautiful, gorgeous illustrations of um, a black woman, uh, Olympian who yeah kind of like overcame this disability um to i think she won like a big medal or something i don't remember what she year was she did and i yeah i don't it's 70s maybe Mm -hmm. um i remember seeing it in live Mm. on television um and i bring it up because that book was a beautiful way of balancing uh, a, a story a person's a a human story that was about struggle and about um just just beautiful joy and achievement and, and grace mm-hmm. in her life. And that's what's hard. And I think that especially when you get into older, you know, f- you know, kindergarten and up mm-hmm. and into elementary school is if anything is said at all about the struggles of, you know, queer history or black history or Jewish history, it's you hear the negative stuff is, mm-hmm. and, and, and the positive contributions are are missing. Um, and so that struck me in here that that you wanted to shine a light on on the positive pieces too. Yeah, Rose, what stuck out for you? Um, I feel like for me, there's a part towards the end. Um, yeah, this "What do you want to be when you grow up?" Mm. question. Mm-hmm. Like until. I feel like until recent, like until like, I mean, it still happens to me, but like Mm -hmm. that question was so constant and so shockingly disruptive, Mm -hmm. like the frequency with which grownups around me were like, well, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, and sort of like, or like, where are you going to college? And like those Mm -hmm. kinds of questions about you know, you, inevitably, like, I spent my childhood, like, thinking so far ahead to this point in my adulthood that, like, I had no capacity to really conceive of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, the, like, the trap of that question, <laughs> the, like, mm-hmm. um, the trickiness of it and the the idea that you can, like, let your not just let your kid like show you who they are, but um, like, yeah, that um, it's okay to, you don't, <laughs> it's okay. You can just exist. Um, and yeah, I think I didn't realize for a long time how, like how much I struggled with, with those questions and with mm. grownups around me sort of like, asking you to create an image of your future and then to like become really attached to that. And then Mm -hmm. to like not have any flexibility in moving through life. Mm -hmm. And I think we grew up in a, in a time where um, the overall like gray cloud of the parenting philosophy that I think we grew up with was like a fear of failure and a fear of mistakes 
-hmm. And like, it was kind of a one wrong turn and you'll end up in the trailer park kind of. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh no. That's not what I gave you, but okay. (laughs) No, not, it wasn't you or like, you know, it was like school and like the messaging of TV shows. And it was like, it was everything. It wasn't just you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It wasn't just you both. Um, Like it was just, I think, and part of the careerist elitist environment that I think we were into. Um, yeah, I'm also thinking about it, like dare and like those kinds of yeah. like, um, like PSA messages and things like that in the nineties. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I think, think that was what when you're when a child is you know two or three four years old and someone and an adult asks them what do you want to be when you grow when you grow up it's aspirational. Mm-hmm. For the child, yeah, it's like an imagination. It's who do you look? It's, sure. Yeah, it's well, and it's who you look up to mm-hmm. at that moment in time. Yeah, Linz wanted to be an astronaut. You wanted to be an astronaut when you were. And then I had school. dehydrated ice cream, and I was yeah. like, "Nothing." Never <laughs> 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 Yeah, no, thank you. Um, but you know what I mean. So when when you're little, it's it's based on your experience in the moment. What do you want to be? When you mm-hmm. get to be older, it becomes, um, it's it. There's pressure attached to it, and it feels goal oriented, mm-hmm. yeah. and, and and capitalistic, yeah. as you say, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so, the alternative question that you pose, I think, is 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 lovely about you know what makes you happy, mm-hmm. and um. I have always, and you know this about me, I've always been a proponent of do what you love. Mm-hmm. And, you know, one would hope that... Why do you the, think I've ended up in this money, very strange career? <laughs> well, and I've had a, a, not a career that I would have ever imagined either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I but I followed that particular path. Mm-hmm. And... You know, there are a lot of people we know in our family who who have had a more set mm-hmm. path than that, and um, you know, so it it it's different for different people. But I, I like the the approach of what makes you happy mm. because if I mean, we I think we all know people who uh, go into careers or jobs that. Ugh, that just are debilitating and yeah, I was gonna say dehydrating, but that's the wrong. I mean, word. sure. <laughs> um, you know, and they just live their lives going nine to five, and mm-hmm. that's no fun. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I've gotten feedback on that kind of like anti-capitalist section as well um, from others, and um, I do think it's like a little bit of like a linchpin for some people mm-hmm. um, of like understanding the like how deep the assumptions we make about like how children uh, we help children navigate and understand and learn um, the society we live in. Um, So we've been uh, to switch gears just a teeny bit. um, We've been talking about like the tone of the book a little bit and Rose, I have a quick question for you because you come from the comedy world. Um, And uh, I don't know. I think like parts of the book are like, funny (laughs) um there's definitely some uh light humor in there so i i'm curious about like 
what you thought about like the tone and like the way I mean you obviously know my humor very well um Mm -hmm. but like the way that like that kind of humor can like help people access these like um these ideas right yeah totally I think like you like my jokes first of all (laughs) yes (laughs) nailed it um yeah, no, I think humor is, like, such a useful tool here. I think it helps, like, I think especially for someone who's, like, in territory that's relatively new. Obviously, there are other experts and people in, in yeah. this field, but, like, it's it's a pretty small crew, mm-hmm. um, I would think. And I think because of the nature of, like, queer subject matter and 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 this world that we live in <laughs> the political climate etc um that like i think before even reading a single word i think a lot of people are going to make the assumption that this has like a very talking down you know kind of tone to it and it's very eye to eye it's very like um we all live in this world together. We all are, we all come into this world given, you know, the, the same base information. And obviously like, you know, given your environment and the people around you and whatever, you know, you're going to probably get different information, but um, at the very least, like we all make mistakes and that's okay. Like, yeah. um, I think having a sense of humor and being able to laugh at yourself, but also like the the ridiculousness of the uphill battle that is like, (laughs) um, you know, finding your sense of self in this kind of kooky world. Um, Mm -hmm. it is like essential. I don't think, I don't think you can do it if you can't have a laugh at yourself or, at the situation, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think just like it deflates the tension so, so yeah. well. Um, Cause I think people can get really, really uptight. <laughs> they yeah. can get really, you know, like freaked out about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, even just about like, I don't like, like what kids experience in their day to day. And like, I think a lot of people out there are like, a kid should have bubbles and butterflies and should be sitting in a soft room. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and obviously like you want your kids to be protected and supported and loved and all of those things. Um, And um but you also and you have to teach them how to like handle sad difficult feelings um so I I think for those people out there who are are gonna assume that like you're taking kind of a know-it-all perspective or you're like trying to teach kids how to be gay or whatever the heck (laughs) um people think um like yeah I just think there's so much tension and it's like such a little time bomb of a territory you're in 
Um, and I think humility and humor, those words are very connected. And um, there's a reason for that. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, mm-hmm. Mom, you said mm-hmm. before, and I figured you would maybe have some reflections on your own parenting. <laughs> you were <laughs> reading <laughs> um, However deeply you want to go into that, I kind of I wanted to hear. Okay, can I t- say two other things first? Oh, yeah, yeah. The book? Oh, go ahead. Um, there's uh, two things I wanted to add. Is the the I I love the way you used playful analogies um, and and illustrations and recommendations on how to have dialogue with little ones, like the Cheerios and the Fruit Loops. Mm-hmm. People have really been liking <laughs> that one. Oh, I just it's it's it's. It's practical. It is something that is easy to do and it frames the conversation in a, in an age appropriate way that just makes it, it normalizes that kind of conversation about, you know, being queer. Uh, and, uh, so I just, I really loved the, all of the, lots of the different analogies and illustrations that you did. And and that's just one of them. Um, and I liked the way that you, in providing some historical context for some stuff in here, um, like drag, um, mm-hmm. you in a way destigmatize or start to destigmatize perhaps for some people what drag is. And that when you frame it in the context of dress up and gender expression, uh, it, it you, you kind of go, oh, okay, it's not, you know what some people have just these weird ideas about what drag is Mm -hmm. that in fact it isn't, it's just (laughs) made up crazy stuff. Um, So I I appreciated that it's and then it kind of in a straightforward matter of fact tone Mm -hmm. um, uh, that I think, uh, I liked, I liked the tone of it, but I, I also know your voice. Um, yeah, I write. So I can how hear I your talk. voice. <laughs> yes, I hear your voice throughout the book. Uh, but I do think, uh, 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 and I hope that others, you know, get what I got out of it in that in that kind of way that it destigmatizes some of these things. Um, so I think that's great, and that's huge, huge progress. Okay. My parenting. Should we talk about that? <laughs> Go for it. Um, so one thing that, that, well, like I said in the beginning of this conversation, I think had I had a book like this that really talked about gender identity and gender expression and how gender identity and sexuality are different and separate, mm-hmm. um, I would have, I my choices in some regards would have been different in terms of how I approached, um, you know, certain assumptions maybe about who you are. Now, neither of you were, uh, I'm not a girly girl as a person myself. Mm -hmm. So I, (laughs) when, when you two both got gifts as infants, baby gifts that were pink and frilly, nope, nope. We're not dressing our children in that. Mm-hmm. Those things went off to, you know, the, the re-gifting pie or whatever it was back then. Um, so I, I never tended to dress 
either of you like that. Rose, you you ultimately kind of tended towards um, the more I think both. Yes. You well, did, okay. Some some cute I'm sorry for the big bow. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a sample sale. So, hey, um, I'm sorry for the big bows. We'll forgive you for the sample sale bows. <laughs> um, but, and, and Lynn's, you, know, you were, uh, uh, I naturally, I guess, were inclined to, to dress you more neutral. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, My baby pictures are why? androgynous. They're they're very neutral. They're very neutral colors. We didn't put you in pink. We just it wasn't intuitive. And I have no idea, honestly, whether we were intuiting you or we were expressing you through us. Mm. Um, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And so um, our parent, our our own personal style was then kind of put on to you or we whether we were you know as an infant what are we intuiting <laughs> um other than you know we it was not our style so it wasn't well, I your mean, style you're also you're not very feminine what you said before and like dad's also like not very like mask like big bro no. guy no. <laughs> no he's not uh so both of you are like kind of gender non-conforming in like your own ways right Yes, yes. We, I would say we are. I'm not a, you know, as I said, girly girl. I'm not, you know, pink frills are not for me either. You, you won't be catching me in that. Uh, and and so we're we're both in a way somewhere on the spectrum, not at either end. Nor are nor is my current husband um, either. And you know, you probably say the same thing about uh, about your dad's wife as well. Um, so. Um, but my point was that we we in that in in the clothing department we tried not to be girly and now we would say it you know we tried not to be too binary mm-hmm. girl or boy yeah whatever at, at least early at least early on whatever that that was mm-hmm. and um and. I think the the things that would have shifted for me are, are what I said about gender identity and gender sexuality. And, and mm. just even in the past 10 years of you endeavoring into this, into this career and talking about that to us and, and me really starting to understand and grasp that gender identity and gender sexuality and sexuality and sexual preference and all that were separate things was a new concept for me, and I was like, "Huh?" And I, you, you understand, you study gender gender uh, studies in college, and I think the dialogue really started to happen in a more concrete way. Yeah, through that, um, because you got historical context and foundation through through your education, right? Yeah, and um, so that was news to me. And and even I talked to my sister in law recently, who who is gay, and and. She's still having a challenge with understanding that that sexuality and gender identity yeah. are separate, and we we call her and her spouse the dinosaur lesbians, um, <laughs> which she's totally in agreement about, but um, in the most in the most loving of ways. But that's that just goes to show that there are, there are even cultural norms among the oh, queer community for sure for sure. <laughs> 
And uh, so it's it's very interesting how the thinking has shifted and the understand maybe it's the understanding that has become more broadly known. And so part of part of what I want to say about my parenting is about my perspective on your experience mm-hmm. as, a, as a parent observing you through your life. Mm-hmm. And and I know that you have said that the the picture of you in front of the hydrangeas that you have in the book. I love that photo. You were, yeah, you were about I use four. it I use it a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's a fantastic <laughs> picture. I remember the moment that we took that picture. We were somewhere in the UK, and I can't remember exactly where. Um, but that that's the four ish year old kid who is you were very much in your authentic self in that, and I would say up through about age seven or eight. Yeah, I agree. I could see that the lens that we you know that was you were coming into yourself and then puberty happened and then oh, you kind of hormones <laughs> and even it was even not nine i'm gonna, I'm gonna say somewhere around nine to ten years old mm-hmm. where you started to kind of close in mm-hmm. and physically actually kind of close in and and then emotionally you I, you became somewhat angry for a while. And I think that was massive amounts of confusion, which manifested in what looked yeah. like anger to us. Um, and, and all the struggles that you talk a little bit about in the book about in your teenage years and yeah. conforming to what gender norms you thought were supposed to be, or you were supposed to yeah, be. And, and then, that wasn't necessarily you and dad. That was, no, no, yeah. it wasn't. I think it was, it was, you. it was, your struggle and but and also i don't think we had a we didn't really have necessarily have a frame of reference to help you kind of navigate that because yeah. we weren't yeah. we actually didn't know what it was that it was about gender identity mm-hmm. had we had more knowledge back then when you were growing up we may have been able to support you better i'm certain of it um or at least understood what you were going through and supported you emotionally in that way mm-hmm. um, and understood what you were going through and perhaps been able to help you navigate in a better way, mm-hmm. um, in a more productive way that would have allowed you to retain your authenticity and not have to go through all that struggle in those middle years. Yeah, um, Adolescence sucks no matter who you are. And it's, um, probably, you know, um, magnified dramatically if you are going through an additional crisis like gender identity. Um, so the, those were things that I observed. And as you were coming out, um, and your coming out has, if I can say this, been an evolution. Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Over the years and, and kind of witnessing that over the years and seeing you really truly come into your, into yourself these past years and um, can I talk a little bit about your top surgery? Yeah, yeah, go for, for it. For a minute. And so what I, um, what I noticed about when you had your top surgery right after it. Um, so for listeners, I went up to um, help lens out for a week or so after their surgery. And um I called my husband and I said, 
Both of you did. Yes, yes. you both did. Uh, and I, I called my husband um, a couple days. I mean, I told my husband a couple days after I was up there. I see the lens that was that seven-year-old lens, that six, mm-hmm. seven-year-old lens that was just lived authentically in who they were. That's, I see that joy again. And I hadn't seen that joy for in many years. It was starting to emerge. But when you had that top surgery and you were <laughs> coming out of your, you know, uh, painkiller oh haze. <laughs> My own podcast, from my own book. What the heck? I I saw I saw um, your authentic joy again, and I am so proud of you that um that you have taken this journey and that you have you know committed yourself to finding and and experiencing your most authentic self, and that that's that's hard for anybody, and I think. Well, that was very nice. Thank you. Mm. <sighs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to mute now so you can talk to Rose. <laughs> no, I mean, no, but that's like that's. I think when like we had family members and friends who like were struggling with the tra- like ch- changing, shifting their pronoun mm-hmm. usage for you, Lynn's, and um, that kind of thing, like that's what I would point them to. I'd be like, you're holding on to the wrong image of Lynn's. Like, look at these pictures of them as a child. Like, this person is so non-binary. It's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. Yep. like, you sent a really good email around our wedding. Can you talk about that? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, before your wedding, I knew that we had some family members who were like, still not great at, uh, using they them pronouns, um, which you know takes some time. Yeah, um, it can take some time. Um, but I really wanted you to feel your best <laughs> and on your wedding day, and I didn't want anyone to misgender you in like that public of a setting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, which did still happen, your, but you know we tried. It of course happened, <laughs> um, but you know we try our best. Um, yeah. So I like sent some of our family members email um with like my helpful tips as as much as I could offer Mm -hmm. but that was the big one was like I went and I found all these pictures of you as a as a youngin and like to me to anyone I think like the expression in those pictures is like so non-binary and so you know, Absolutely. the view that you're expressing now. But I think, like, because our memories kind of form in this concrete way, like, in the later years, in the teens and 20s, like, I think that that person who you were when you were pubescent and post-pubescent, like, with longer hair and wearing dresses or whatever, like, that person who was angry, like mom said, who was like struggling to really express themselves authentically. I think that's the person, a lot of people, that's the image a lot of people held of you Mm -hmm. for a long time. And my advice to people who were struggling to let go of that was like, that was not authentic. That was not you. Um, You know, that was you 
struggling to process like what the world is trying to tell you to be. Um, and I think like, that's what really helped me, um, in making that shift was like thinking of that child. (laughs) Um, and the, like that big cheesy smile, um, because yeah, I think that was that, that email. You know, that yeah. email was was mm-hmm. extremely helpful. Yeah, um, and That's I think fun. it was it was really it. I think it it helped me dramatically. Um, it is hard to shift um, as a parent. I think part of that is, and this is parenting in general. Uh, and maybe that would change with books like this. I don't know. But parenting in general is when you when you when you have a baby, you have all kinds of dreams and wishes and desires for for your baby to have a happy life. But that's also framed in you know what you wish for them to be, and. Mm. And it's also framed in our cultural norms. So that's why I think discussion in your book about, um, about not, about the, the toy aisle and, and those kinds of things that are so binary in our world by kind of neutralizing that can help. But, but I think part of making that shift from, you know, in, in pronouns is it has to do with us as parents letting go of what our ideas were, what our dreams were, what our thinking was, what what our whatever was about who that person is, who who our child is, and so it's it, um, it's no different. For, I mean, it, so with regard to queerness and pronouns and gender identity. Um, that's part of it, but it's even, you know, who you're get, like the question about who you want to be when you grow, when you grow up, you know, you know, you might dream that your child is going to be a doctor. Well, and then they turn out that they want to be a comedian and you're going to have to let go of your dreams that they were going to be a doctor because it ain't going to happen. They want to be a comedian. So, um, Sorry, that kind of, no, <laughs> okay. I mean, you never dreamed that you would be a doctor, but you know what I mean though? No, it's but about, I, it was like a similar, I get what you're saying. Like, I think we project a lot on children and like, yes, we do. like, mm-hmm. you know, there was like a, I think a little running bit when I was a very, really young that like I would become the lawyer following <laughs> dad's footsteps. Mm-hmm. And I think that it like it became clear, like you know, in high school, that that was like not going to be my journey. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I nipped that at the but bottom I still real think, early on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like you know, I think that's the process of projecting onto a child, like oh, there's just this blank canvas that you can sort of like. I, I think that's what that question, yes. "What do you want to be?" Grow up always felt like it was like people projecting their concern and their their yes. image of you onto you and then you're you sort of are like well they're grown up so that's who i am and then you know you're in the middle of your 20s and you're like what's going on um, and you can still change yeah. you can still do whatever you want to do yeah and, you know yeah. people change their careers at lots of different ages in their lives and wow. times in their lives so you never have to stick stick to it 
<sighs> do what you love. So I forgot where we were. Well, and- so we're <laughs> starting to wrap up after um, <laughs> that emotional roller coaster. <laughs> um, <laughs> is there anything that we didn't touch on that you all wanted to talk about in regards to the book? Um, that is a good question. Um, I think I, I touched on the things that, that I, that were kind of front and center for me. I do really appreciate the, um, the historical context of some things that some Mm -hmm. of which I did not know. Mm -hmm. So thank you (laughs) Uh, for sharing your knowledge. Um, the, the, the section on intersectionality, mm-hmm. um, and this is another thing I really appreciate, appreciated about your writing was how you broke down, um, certain things like inter- intersectionality to, to help us really understand a con something that is kind of abstract to a mm-hmm. lot of people because yeah. they don't, they don't experience it. Um, and your description of it and, and definition really helped me to go, oh, now I think I get it. And I think I, I, I can understand um, what other people are going through who, um, in, who's, who, who are experiencing that. Um, so that the, those kinds of descriptions throughout the book, I think, are, are were super helpful to me. Hmm. Um, yeah, that's why I think it's more of a theory book than a parenting book, honestly, because it's like really taking a lot of like kind of an academic field and making it like as one hundred and one and accessible as like humanly possible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I haven't read any other parenting books, but it felt it didn't feel that like I wasn't reading it being like, well, this is certainly irrelevant to me because I don't have a child, you know, like. Mm-hmm as someone who's worked in schools and with kids before, like I, there were a lot of things that I kind of, I remember um, when I started working in schools with kids or just like being around kids a lot more, I realized that um, a lot of the clothes the little girls were wearing had like touchable features, like big mm. sequins or mm. um puffy paint or like something like that um or like I know it was like yeah I don't know I just like I didn't notice any of the quote-unquote boys clothes like having those things but Mm -hmm. pretty exclusively like all the little girls were wearing this stuff that physically led to them being touched more because Mm -hmm. of the like tactility of the whatever the things were and I just like it's so wild how deep all these things run and how like yeah not that there's not that the people designing clothes are sitting there being like like this will lead to women you know like it's you know it's yeah it's it's not some of it is insidious but um you know it's not all that way but it it the little things can really add up and and I think like the advice to just be open and supportive and loving and willing to experiment and like um willing to listen and 
play, like kids learn through play. Yeah. Um, yep. And this is just a feature of that, you know, allowing kids to figure out who they are is like a feature of play. That's right. I, I, there are in my years of teaching, um, I've encountered many, many, many families coming in and out of my class, yes. right? Hundreds and of thousands, probably. <laughs> Thousands, maybe not hundreds of thousands, but thousands for sure. Hundreds hundreds and and thousands. Hundreds of thousands. (laughs) Um, But I have really, the the kids who walk in, who who have dressed themselves, who are always allowed, (laughs) who who are allowed to freely express themselves in in that expression. I really have admired those parents uh, who have allowed that. Um, it, it was, um, it was. Uh, so I'm going to name a name mm-hmm. um, that you know. Uh, I'm not going to name their parents or their last yeah, name. Yeah. Noah, yeah, who you know, um, whose parents um, really allow him to express himself in whatever way he feels in the moment, mm-hmm. and I. So appreciate that that family, and and them. You know who knows. You know Noah's what about five now? I don't know, but who knows mm-hmm. what Noah's going to be when he's an adult or yeah. they're an adult. Um, but the fact that they're open to his expressing himself in whatever way mm-hmm. suits him in the moment is is progressive and mm-hmm. is in in line with with the book. And that kind of parenting, and I think, and I would hope to see more parents doing more of that mm. um, uh, in the future. Yeah. The stuff on childism and that kind of thing, too, really, mm-hmm. like, felt really important to me. Because I think grown-ups look at children as, like, oh, they're that kid's just crying because they're crying, you know? Like, you know, like think we don't give kids enough credit i don't think we give kids enough like this is information that they're giving you like even if they can't process even if they don't know how to process that information like it's still relevant it's not just like (laughs) happening just to happen like i think that was really important even um i think to to share with people um even if, you know, their kid is not queer, I think it's, like, very important for people to understand, like, your child might not have the words, but they know. They're, you know? They're, yes, and as you say in the book, Rens, they're, they're much more capable um, of understanding than we give them credit for. And I think, yeah. and every generation is a little bit better, I think, mm-hmm. in this regard, because in my generation, in the generation that I grew up in, my parents were, you know, you're seen but not heard, mm-hmm. all of that kind of, you know, those, those, yeah. that, that language <laughs> was used when I was a child very much. And so I deliberately, and your dad deliberately, I think, tried not to do that. Mm-hmm. But I think, and, <laughs> but I do also remember moments where I'm more like, well, we're the parents and we're going to tell you what to do. <laughs> Why do I um, do that? Because and I said so. <laughs> yes. Okay, yeah. I may be guilty of saying that once. No, you're not the only person. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also think that it's getting better. Each generation, yeah. hopefully, um, 
has more knowledge and and um so the parenting becomes is wiser now than it certainly was when I was growing up so that that's that's a shift for sure yeah I think so too but there's still a long way to go yeah for sure I think I hope that this is um in I mean there are definitely books for parents of LGBTQ plus young people there are definitely books for LGBTQ plus parents I think that this is like one of a few that are like for all parents in terms of like just like thinking about queer and gender affirming parenting there are a couple of other kind of like in the field and like adjacent um uh ways of thinking about this like anti-racism and um kind of like a social justice um way of approaching parenting but i hope this is kind of like the start of a much larger field beyond what i do um and hope that my work can like help move that forward a little bit that would be cool um all right i think we're kind of at the end this was kind of cool um i don't know do you guys uh, usually this is where i tell people to plug something um <laughs> but i don't know rose do you have anything you want to plug mom i don't i don't know if you do no no just um go by rainbow parenting yeah yeah yes you have it. Yes. Go by rainbow parenting yeah. Okay, great. No, this is super cool that you did this. It's crazy to me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will agree. <laughs> Your name. That's amazing. And Rose. Yeah. Rose has a little Rose book of poetry. Book. Rose does oh, have a book of poetry. I'll plug Rose's little book of poetry. And thanks for the I get to do that. Excellent. Okay. Well, yeah. thank you for having this conversation with me a little impromptu. Wait, Liz, what, yeah. how are you feeling and doing? Oh, oh, question, that's a Liz. question. Um, I'm good. <laughs> I'm in San Francisco right now in the middle of my tour, or I guess I'm kind of like starting kind of like to move into the back half of my tour. I'm learning a lot. This is the first time the I've, first ever time done, I've ever done. Sorry, I'm getting like an echo in my I don't know why. We're getting um, a little echo. Yeah, I don't know why that happened. Try to mute. Try to mute. Okay, cool. Can you hear though? Okay, great. Um, I yeah, I'm doing good. Um, back half of the tour, I'm learning a lot about. I'm. This is the first time I've done like a big like tour like this and like a, this like chunk of time. Um, I'm coming to like cities that I haven't done events in before and so i'm learning the difference between coordinating a tour versus promoting a tour versus like actually being at the events and being like oh people aren't showing up <laughs> how do i turn this into a different opportunity or how do i look at this as like a way to build a relationship with a local bookstore um and i'm also learning how to talk about the book i'm learning what's resonating for people um and I'm having, I'm seeing kind of like those patterns um, across all these different conversations because, I mean, I've been talking about this work generally and I've been talking about queer kid stuff for a long time. I mean, queer, queer kid stuff has been around for seven years now. Isn't that wild? Um, and this is kind of like a new, it, I mean, this all has is a culmination of what I've been doing, but this is a new iteration of this, of like 
what does queer kid stuff look like that's specifically for adults? So learning how to talk about it has been a bit of a learning curve and not not in like a bad way, just in like a, I'm learning how to talk about a new thing and understand what people are gravitating to about this iteration of my work. Um, so yeah, I'm also just like jet lagged <laughs> and like trying to understand how my body feels while I'm traveling this much and like missing my dogs and my wife and my home and um, just kind of dealing with that emotional side of it. But also like seeing friends that I haven't seen in a long time who I'm like crashing on their couches and getting coffees with. And I just feel I feel very very full right now. Um, because I've just, you know, I've been living with this book basically since 2019. And now it's finally out in the world. And like people are reading my thoughts, which is weird. Um, and like are learning about my life in a new way and my journey. And uh, yeah, it's definitely a new experience. It very much feels like a new chapter of my career. I um. I don't, you guys don't really do tarot, but, um, I, a friend of mine, Rose, you do a little bit, um, a friend, I was talking to a friend of mine who moderated a conversation, Will Wilhelm, who is a, um, trans, uh, non-binary performer in Chicago who just did a, um, fantastic one person show called the gender play or what you will, <laughs> um, <laughs> about like queerness ah, and Shakespeare. Title. Yeah. Right. Um, about queerness and Shakespeare and transness and Shakespeare, um, and I had them moderate my talk because we went to college together. So they've been watching my work for a long time. And we've kind of had these like parallel trans journeys um, over the last decade or so. And um, they're a tarot reader. And they pulled the fool card for me um, in just like a one card reading. And so the fool is, for those who don't know tarot, is the first card in the major arcana, um, which is essentially um, a depiction of archetypes throughout the hero's journey so like um joseph campbell the hero's journey if you think of like lord of the rings that's a hero's journey story um and you'll see kind of like the pattern of that storytelling um throughout <laughs> most literature <laughs> um and so the fool card is the very first card in the hero's journey in the major arcana and it's really about like newness and um, optimism and this kind of like the fool, like not really knowing what you're going into and like the beginning of things. And um, my card of the fool in my deck that I have has like a little backpack on. It's just kind of like this like jaunty little traveler person. And I was like getting on into like a car to go to the airport to like get on my flight here to San Francisco. And I was just like, I literally look like this card that just got pulled for me last night. <laughs> So it just like felt extremely on the nose. So I feel very, I feel very the fool right now in like the good and the weird ways and all of the connotations of that. Um, so yeah, very um, new experiences, lots of learning, lots of um, new experiences ahead, I think. That's where I'm yeah. at. Cool. Well, thank you, well, thank you for having this conversation with me. I think this was thank you for cool. having us. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, yeah. Love you. Love you. All right. That was my conversation about my book Rainbow Parenting with my mom and my sister. 
As always, you can grab your copy of Rainbow Parenting wherever books are sold. You can also now pre-order my upcoming picture book that's coming out in the fall of 2024. Hooray for she, he, z, and they. What are your pronouns today? So grab that pre-order. If you are a Patreon member of the Queer Kid Stuff Patreon page, you get early and ad-free access to this podcast. Now that we're kind of coming to a close with the third season, don't you worry, you're still going to be getting lots of early and fun things exclusive to the Patreon page. I've got a big announcement coming up and Patreon members will get exclusive priority access to that. So hopefully that's exciting. Friday, I've got an episode coming at you that's kind of a mini-sode. I'm going to be kind of reflecting on this past month and <laughs> the state of the world, I guess. And yeah, comes kind of like newsy items and just reflecting on how the tour has been going. So tune in for that on Friday. As always, you can follow me at Linz Amer, L-I-N-D-Z-A-M-E-R on all the social medias. You can also follow Queer Kid Stuff at Queer Kid Stuff on all of the socials. We've got, uh, we're kind of winding down content right now as we're getting closer to the end of June, but we're going to be starting back up in the school year. So keep a lookout for new stuff coming at you August and September. We're taking a little bit of a break for July, um, but we'll be back in your feeds right after that. All right, friends. Talk soon. Rainbow Parenting is hosted and created by me, Linz Amer. It's produced in partnership with Multitude and is edited by Misha Stanton. The theme music is by Amanda Darchangelis and the logo artwork is by Abe Tenzio.